1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to the podcast, the, the Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast, which Mike Cool last week said we need to abbreviate that. So I did a little work on it. it gives us the letters DRCRP, which uh, would be Dr. Crap. And I don't want to go there. <laughs> That's a bad, that's a bad, so we're going to start. Merry Christmas, dog. Merry, Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. So uh, we decided, man, we, if ever there has been a time, I'm here with Steve McVeigh from Dirt Roads Network. I'm here with Michael Hool, who is Small Town Vineyard. And uh, we're, we're excited because usually what happens is, uh, you know, we talk about problems and if there has ever been a time when we want to talk about Christmas, it's now. And so we're going to talk about countrified Christ- Christmas. Um, and hopefully there's some talk about what your favorite Christmas meals are and that kind of thing. But uh, we're just going to tell a couple stories about Christmas and why we like it. I love that I get to start this one. Uh, here's why. Because my house is Christmas central. And as long as I've been married to Dawn, our house continues to be Christmas central. So I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that we decorate for Christmas for two days following Thanksgiving. We do call it Black Friday, but for different reasons. We bring up from the basement 23 Christmas bins. No. 23 Christmas. We We should have part ownership in Hobby Lobby. That's all I'm saying. And um, and if they want to sponsor us, that'd be great. But they are so a Christian company. They are 23 bins of Christmas stuff. We picked up my daughter. I'll start with this because this is how it always ends with us. And uh, it, it's like for those two days, it looks like Christmas threw up in our living room. <laughs> and now, you know, we it's all up and it looks beautiful. But my we picked up my daughter at the airport and we we're driving home. And she's going to throw her bags in our Acadia. So the the back is open. But on the way to pick her up, we stopped by Hobby Lobby. And and I open the door and I I look at my daughter. And as I opened the hatch, I just said, okay, can you give me your bags? And she looked in and she said, oh, good grief. And I said, yep, that's right. Your mom has a real problem. So, (laughs) but it's a good problem. It's a Christmas problem. I was thinking about uh, this this story of Christmas and what it means to us. And I'll just tell you that Christmas is a month for my family. We watch every Christmas movie. We listen to nothing but Christmas music. Um, and it's just nonstop Christmas. So when you ask me to tell a story about Christmas, man, I don't know that I can. 
but I can tell you my favorite moment. So every year we have a tradition. When you have this much stuff going on, you have certain dates. You have dates that you know mark the calendar for us. It's not biblical. It's not an advent. We don't light candles. I mean, you know, there are candles going all the time. Maybe that's just because I'm carnal. But, but there's something about the magic of day-to-day expectation. And a number of years ago, we started inviting people over to Christmas Eve, and we did something called, it's not a traditional Christmas Eve meal, it's a fondue. So we melt cheese, and we melt chocolate, and we have boiling pots of oil. Seems like a bad thing to do around children. but um, And then we just, we have food, and you boil your own food, and it is phenomenal. It, it goes for about two hours. Well, at the close of that, we always watch a movie. The movie is White Christmas. We end with that. That's kind of the end of our Christmas season as we go to bed and anticipate the next morning. And we have always invited friends. Traditionally, my wife always buys Christmas pajamas, which is kind of an awkward sort of thing. So we're all sitting there, we're adults, and we're wearing our Christmas pajamas, and it's become that family tradition that lots of families have. But one year, uh, we invited a friend over, uh, told you about him uh, in a couple, maybe a couple podcasts ago, and he started coming, just became part of the family on Christmas Eve. And a few years ago, Dawn bought him pajamas. So we had our 81-year-old friend who (laughs) went and put on his pajamas. But he felt awkward, so he just put them on over his clothes. Uh, (laughs) I love Christmas because it represents hope for a month that everything is magic now. And I don't think that word is wrong. I don't think that we should ever miss the magic you felt as a child when you heard about the angels that were that were you know saying to these shepherds, and I'm sorry, that's what the scripture says. I'm still thinking they sang, or at least one of them had a solo. And we we tend to over spiritualize the incredible celebration that had to be going on in heaven during Christmas. So when I think about this season, I I just want to say thank you, Gary, for putting on your pajamas. Thank you for the Christmas fondue, because what happens is we bring all kinds of food and we're experimenting and dipping everything. And it is just festivity. I don't have a funny story because I love the entire season so much. And that night is just hope. Christ was born tonight. Let's party as hard as we can. And uh, then the kids go to bed and we go to sleep for the three, four hours that are necessary. And then, you know, we start the next day with that uh, revival of the party. So uh, pretty cool. um, Being a country guy, my wife has always surprised me with a gift that I somehow must have dropped a hint at, and I never know what it is. It's something so big and so obscure. And one year I opened up my get one year. It was a guitar. It was phenomenal. One year I'm opening up my, I have no idea what it is. It's heavy. And as I open it up, it is no kidding guys. It's a six shooter and a holster. And I mean, a real one. And I wore that holster and my gun around the house with my pajamas all day. 
and just <laughs> drawing on my family nonstop. Maybe to date, the single greatest guy gift ever given for Christmas was a real six shooter and a real holster. And I, I really did draw on my family. That's my story, guys. That's uh, Steve, Mike, what you got? <laughs> Merry Christmas, by the way. Yeah, Mike, come on. Tell Merry me. Christmas. Yeah. So I don't want to, I didn't want to follow that one up. I just kind of felt like maybe I should just call it a day after that. Uh, Mike, 12 <laughs> six year old child inside of me was like, six shooter. I know. that for Christmas. I know. I'm so, I'm, I'm coveting right now. I have to own that. There's a coveting going on in me because I want that. <laughs> um, and the holster. Oh, that's just my dream, man. I, you know, I, I'm going to turn a different angle. I, um, uh, so we live in what's called Amish country by us. Some of you probably have, some of you don't in rural America. If you know what Amish are, they have horse and buggy. They don't use electricity. And I had been a bivocational pastor, co-vocational is a new word, but bivocational pastor back in the day of substitute teaching and, and starting a rural church. And those are an interesting combination. But if you're around kids in December, it is like, it is like they talk about January and flu season. It's not really true. It's December for like little kids will the age of 12. And for some bizarre reason, I got talked into signing up for a substitute job in a first grade classroom. Now, why I did this, I have no <laughs> reasons and no logic. I know I did kindergarten once and it literally almost killed me. I thought I was going to die that day. I called my wife halfway today. So this is the day I die teaching kindergartners. God bless them. They're my heroes, those kindergarten first grade teachers. Of course, Throughout the day, kids were sneezing on me. Like I literally was covered in snot when I got home that day from first grade. Like I, like they were like coughing all over me and stuff. And and I started to develop this deep cough. And this is pre-COVID, so I want you to know we're not talking COVID here. This is like some years ago. And I turned out I had walking pneumonia. I had developed from whatever kid had coughed on me that day or snot nose or whatever. And as I was in the doctor's office, I looked at the uh, doctor, and you gotta love this. Um, her husband was the Lutheran pastor in town. And I looked at her and I said, I need, I need to like preach at Christmas Eve. We were a small rural church just starting up. I have no backup plan for Christmas Eve, which I know we should. Like that's a whole different speech you can give me later. But I was a young pastor. I was in desperate shape. And I needed the money to keep working and all that. And Christmas Eve service, you don't want to like give up, right? Like that's like that in Easter. Like if, if you were like literally the holy girl with the arms cut off and the legs, you would be dragging yourself with blood. So I'm, 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 I drag myself. I, I, I vitamin C up. I literally try everything I can think of, you know, hot packs, cold packs, breathing nebulizer things, whatever I could come up with to try to get there. So we get in the car and, and our building is a different spot than it currently is now. And we had to drive out a bit and I'm running behind the way it is because remember, I'm trying to get there at the last minute because I don't feel well and everything else is set up. And as we're driving, a horse and buggy come up in front and somehow we got it behind a horse and buggy. So now as that's happening, it, and I'm not exactly, it's all happened at once. We had freezing rain, which is not a common Wisconsin. Usually we have blizzards come Christmas Eve. It's usually not freezing rain, but we just had the honor of having freezing rain. So the horse is having a hard time getting going. We can't get around him because of the freezing rain. We can't pass. And what was a 10 minute trip, five minute trip turned into, oh, about a half hour or so. So the church is now gathered, and they're all waiting for the pastor to show up. Nothing more awkward than coming into your church on Christmas Eve late as the pastor. That's always a great look to walk in. And coughing, by the way. And, like, you know, have a box of Kleenex and a glass, a big 
bottle of water up there just to try to get to the sermon. And I'll never forget, we got to this whole thing. And this lovely lady who um, had been with us, she was an older lady at the time. And uh, God bless her. She comes up to me. And you know those moments when someone's just trying to be nice because I don't remember what I said. I think I'd pseudofed in me. I probably was legally drugged up at that point to get through the, the message. And she goes, Pastor Michael, that was the most unique, the word was unique, Christmas sermon I have ever heard. I never went back and listened to it, nor did I really want to evaluate that one. But I did get home. And my favorite movie is The Christmas Story. You know, if the, 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 the BB gun, you got to love the Red Rider. And I drank, ate soup that night, basically drank it, and watched that movie like three times. But the classic part of my rural story is this, is no matter where you're as a rural pastor, there is something appreciative about Christmas and Christmas Eve service and Christmas Day service. There's some, something about it in a rural town that feels right, that everybody rallies around. And I agree with you, Doug. If it's the word magic, I'm okay with that word. There's something about it that is a celebration. And my 12-year-old self always reminds me of that. Like, that Christmas is awesome. So that's my Christmas story. I don't know if it's rural or crazy, but that's that's where I lived in my Christmas with the Amish buggy, the freezing rain, and then mowing y'all at once. So, Steve, I'm sure you have an interesting one to share as well. Well, you know, when when we started talking about for Christmas, just telling a story, I um, my mind immediately went, because I just think of all of us rural pastors out here, the way the, our lifestyle is different. I mean, the things we do. Anyhow, in 2004, uh, we had been in Lamont for four years. We live a thousand miles from our parents. My wife and I are both from central Michigan, and it's a long way out there. We have two kids. In 2004, our kids would have been like, my daughter would have been in fourth grade. My son would have been in seventh grade. And we just did not have a reliable vehicle to drive the thousand dollars or the thousand miles home and back. And we really didn't have the money to do that either, which, you know, I mean, rural pastors, let's just be real. I mean, there's times that financial Financial realities are what they are when you're when you're a rural pastor. And and I was so depressed. I'll just I'll just put it like it is. Yeah, there's lots of magic with Christmas, but we weren't going to be able to we we weren't going to be able to take grandkids home to their grandparents. And you know, it just did not feel like Christmas. So we we decided that what we could do is we could drive down to Tulsa. Okay, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So less than two hours from us. We could spend one night in a hotel and we had enough money to do that. And we had enough money to go to a Christmas movie. And that year the Polar Express was on and, and it had down in Tulsa, they have one of these surround theaters, you know, the IMAXs and they're a lot more popular now than there's a lot more of them now than there were in 2004, it seems. And I was depressed. A little, you know, I was like, okay, this is, this is nice, but really what I get to do for Christmas so anyway, as, as we were leaving the church the Sunday before Christmas, someone handed us an envelope. And, you know, I was just like, okay, this is, you know, I, and I sort of expected a $50 or $100 bill in there, just to be honest, you know, I mean, that, that happens, but it was, it was $500. And uh, we drove down to Tulsa. We were able to like do a little bit of Christmas shopping which we had not done a lot of. I mean, that's just rural realities. There are times when you don't have, you know, your kids don't get the same things other folks get. 
It's funny you mentioned the Christmas story. We, we on Christmas Eve, because we did not do Christmas Eve service, because get, get this, Michael, we made a deal with our church that when we came out, we would not be the, when we moved this far to, to come out to Lamont, that we would not be there for Christmas Eve services because we were going to be with our grandparents, you know, with the grandparents and everything. And they had agreed to that, but this year we couldn't afford it. So Christmas Eve, we go watch the Polar Express. We, we stay at a nicer hotel. Okay. than what we would have, you know, so it was nice, had a pool, all that kind of stuff, you know, all the things that kids love. And then we realized it was Christmas lunchtime and no place was open for lunch. The, the hotel had a little, little, you know, they had their buffet <laughs> breakfast in the morning. We went to a Chinese restaurant. Oh, I've been there. And we, it, it was a buffet. We didn't order the duck. But, and, and so we, we go get our plates. And my kids, who are both musical, and my wife, simultaneously, before we eat, go, Oh man! In that moment, and and I mean, I got emotional. And I mean, in that moment, the reality of God's blessing—it was not what yeah. we wanted, but but God in that, even though even though it, it sort of felt like. I will admit it sort of felt like I had been neglected by God. You know, here I am. I'm following, I'm following your call to this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and honestly, I want to be very transparent. I think if I'd gotten up and told the church we couldn't afford, I mean, someone in our church would have let us borrow their vehicle, all that kind of, I mean, yeah. it's a very gracious church. Don't, don't get that part wrong. But I, I was proud. I wasn't going to let people know that, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and then here I am, fa ra 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 <laughs> And that just, because, you know, every year we'd watch that movie too. And that has become, we, we hardly have a Christmas meal without someone at some point saying, fa ra 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 God's blessing that he provided was, it was, it was overwhelming. It's powerful. I I wanted to end this segment just by saying that our hope uh, for you is that you experience the peace and the the joy, the love of Christ in this season. Because let's let's be honest, that's all we have in terms of hope. It, it's Christ. I I wanted to end with uh, just this part of the Christmas story. It says this: when the angels had left them, and they've already said, "Glory to God, uh, peace on earth." His favor rests on men. And you might not feel that, but but it's true. His favor rested on men when Christ came. And then it says this, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And when they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger, when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. I think there is no greater story we can share than than the one that shares Christ as the only hope, the true favor of God. And in rural communities, we have an opportunity, I think, to share that evangelistically. You know, there are so many disappointments. Maybe it's when you open up a gift and you think, oh, that's not exactly what I was looking for. It's not a six shooter. But I, I want to just share 
that this hopeful message of Christ the baby is not just a Bethlehem story, but it's a rural Kansas story. It's a rural Wisconsin story. It's a rural Michigan story because frankly, we understand what it means to have a stable. We, we understand how desperate you'd have to be to think that that was a good place to birth a child. And uh, as, I, as I close off the night, I'll just tell you, I do hear the cows coming. Um, they're not lowing. I don't know what, what a lowing cow sounds like. You know, I've never actually heard a lowing cow, but I do know this, that I can hear them. And it is that time. We want to wish you a, a Merry Christmas on behalf of Steve at Dirt Roads, on behalf of Mike Hoople at Vineyard, and Doug Rutledge here at Crossroads Farm. Silent night. <laughs> My least favorite song, by the way, it was in a stable. Well, I like that song, but... Um, but I just want to say thank you guys for sharing your stories of Christmas. Mandy, if you have a story of Christmas that you'd love to share with us, we will, God willing, tell your story maybe next year. We love you in the hope and the peace that comes from the babe in a manger and the risen Christ after his death, burial, and resurrection. This is Doug for Crossroads Farm, for Mike Hool at Vineyard, for, for Steve at Dirt Roads. Thank you guys for joining us today. And we are the Circuit Riders. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.